0: Helium Talk.
1: Hello and welcome to a new English edition of my podcast Helium Talk – Das Kunstgespräch. My name is Jörg Heikhaus, and today you are listening to my conversation with John Bergemann. John and I go a while back. I showed him at the Helium Cowboy Gallery in Hamburg for the first time in 2008 and we did a couple of exhibitions together for a few years after. We once went to New York together to make a very special booth at the Scope Art Fair. I think it was in 2009 and we more or less did a performance for five days. To me, this is legendary and there's still a video out there somewhere on YouTube, I believe. I will put the link into the show notes if I can find it. Basically, we created a research laboratory environment from cardboard and found objects. It was called the Lossy Data Lab and for the whole duration of the fair we stayed in character, me and our intern Ollie Johns as lab assistants, John as the head researcher. And research we did. It was very interactive. We had questionnaires for the visitors, we made up charts and test equipment, John did very creative and individual tests with the people daring to take part and drew works from their mind streams, so to say. It was great fun, but also pretty tough, just because running this and acting for five days was very tiring. We sold the results at the booth, the drawings John created or the machines he built from cardboard. But it was 2009, and it was only months after the Lehman Brothers had burned all their money and dragged the world into a very heavy financial crisis. So there weren't many people left buying art back then, and that was one of the reasons why we did a special project, rather than an ordinary art fair booth that way we wouldn't have sold much work anyway so I thought fuck it let's do something experimental interactive and much more exciting and who could have been better for this than the great entertainer and master doodler John Bergerman? yeah that lab was wonderful we recreated it in a different way again in Hamburg later on as the lossy botany lab different kind of research though anyway John Bergemann is known for his unique witty and instantly recognizable illustrations He moved from England to New York some years ago, where I reached him at his studio for this episode. We talk about how he got to the Big Apple, how he copes with the demands of the art world, and we also talk about football, because that is a huge thing for both of us and part of our friendship. Well, I hope you enjoy this show. At the end, there will be music again, because John has a band together with Jim Avion that is called Anxiety Team, and he gave me a song for this podcast. He also sent me an image of the drawing he made during our conversation and that is up on my Instagram account at HeliumCowboy. So as always, I'm very happy to receive your feedback. Get mails, comments, reviews and ratings for Helium Talk. Please also subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a show and tell your friends they should listen to this also. And now, John Bergerman. Didn't you do an exhibition once, which uh, was called "Because I Can't Sit Still"?
2: That is true. Wow, that is some good research.
1: Uh, it's. I think for me, it's common knowledge.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: <actually. laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, knowing you for such a long time and following you around a little bit, and uh, but so this will be hard for you now for like sixty minutes. Yeah, I mean, do you yeah.
2: want? I mean, yeah, I might have to wriggle. I mean, I've um, uh, I have got a piece of paper and a pen in front of me now, of but course. you shouldn't be able to hear it. I mean, it would be impossible yeah. to but sit here can you, and li- literally do nothing.
1: Can you send me a picture of what you've been drawing?
2: I mean, I will. It's a blank page at the moment. Let's see what happens. <laughs>
1: and you're in your studio right now in, in New York?
2: Yeah. My studio is in Greenpoint in Brooklyn. Okay. And it's a 20-minute walk from my apartment to the studio. It's so, very nice.
1: So how's New York treating you?
2: New York uh, is uh, relatively indifferent to anyone that comes to visit her She, um, you know you can have a good time in New York uh, if you want uh, but it's it can be tough as well um, it doesn't really care lots of great people come to New York so um, if you can't hack it you just get booted out and someone else will take your space very happily um, <laughs> but yeah I'm having a good time here
1: when did you move to New York? It's a couple of years ago, right?
2: Yeah, uh, more than a couple. I think I moved at the end of 2010. Yeah. So about like nine years ago, I, I guess, or thereabouts. Um, yeah, I uh, thought I would try a new thing by living in a new place, in a new country.
1: Did you ever think it would, you know, it, uh, would fascinate you long enough, so long, I mean so many years?
2: no i had no idea i would stay i mean the 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 thing is i moved here with no idea so um i had didn't know what i was going to do i didn't know how long i would live here whether i would stay in in this city or go to another city or go to another country um i like to tell people i came here to retire so (laughs) i didn't really want to do any work or anything and just have a good time and then after like a week or two, I realized that I wouldn't be able to afford to retire here. So
1: pretty expensive town.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, quite expensive start renting an apartment and all that kind of thing. It's, uh, you know, uh, I used to live in Nottingham in the middle of the UK. So it's quite a big hike in sort of cost of living compared to there, but, uh, you know, you have all these other, uh, distractions and, and benefits and things. Uh, to entertain yourself with, so it's a good, it's a good trade-off. But yeah, it keeps you on your toes. I would say.
1: I think the first time you were in New York, you were meeting with uh, Jim Avion and at what was a gallery called Factory Fresh.
2: That's right. I mean, that wasn't my first time visiting. No, but New I think York, the first exhibition it, you did, right? Yeah. yeah, one of them. One of them. I mean, I kn- I knew the guys from Factory Fresh, Skewville and Pufferella from before they had that space. They, they had the first street art gallery in New York in, in, uh, on Orchard Street. And sadly, it kind of closed down just as street art became was becoming a, a lucrative global phenomenon. So that they were a bit of ahead of the curve. And then they uh, relocated to Bushwick in Brooklyn, which again, ahead of the curve, that was a, a bit of a, a rough and tumble neighborhood. Um, which didn't have very much going on, and now, now of course, there are major galleries there, and it's a trendy place to live. And sadly, their gallery's <laughs> not there anymore. So we've got to keep an eye on what, whatever they're going to do next, because yeah. uh, we just, you know, ten years later, uh, all the property will be worth uh, a lot more. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I had a ex actually they um, they offered me a solo show in their gallery. And it was quite a big space. It was like an old yeah. uh, sort of grocery store or something that converted into a, a gallery. And I said, can I, can I share the exhibition with someone else? And they said, sure, who do you have in mind? And I emailed Jim, someone I'd never met before, never shown work with, but someone whose work I really liked. And I had no idea he lived in New York. So it kind of all, all aligned. He said yes to a complete <laughs> stranger emailing him saying, do you want to have a show together? And then he said, Oh, I'll go and check out the space. Um, I live nearby. And I was like, what? Really? So, um, so yeah, it worked out well. And that, and then we met And the first day we met was a week before the show opened and we started painting and making work together. And, uh, and it was a start of a, a good friendship and collaboration.
1: Yeah I think this I mean the the the, the two of you met I be, I, because I knew Jim before uh as well mm-hmm. I had done show, shows with him here in Hamburg um and um and he's a super super nice and super friendly guy but you know sort of you guys were like a match made in uh, heaven
2: I, <laughs> if, you, yeah. if, you, if you allow me
1: to say in this way
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was always heaven but uh it was certainly a, a good match and um i really enjoyed working with jim uh, it was always fun i knew he we would get on well uh when we were talking about like how we d- display the work in the in the gallery and mm-hmm. he said oh we'll just we'll just put it up with tape we'll yep. tape it to the wall and i thought this is my kind of guy yeah. like all every other artist is all oh, we've got to have these special hooks and mm-hmm. uh, jim ah, just stick it on the wall I was like, yes yeah. finally finally yeah. someone who uh doesn't care about this stuff in the same way that I do and um and just cares about making stuff making lots of stuff and then he yes. was like do you want to make music do you want okay. to do a performance um i was like uh, okay why not why not why <laughs> the hell not um so so we did yeah
1: you played together and, and the combo was called anxiety anxiety team right was it oh, already right. at the at the at yeah. the first exhibition that you started it
2: no. So the, uh, we did a like a live painting performance at so the first exhibition, which my younger brother was the DJ for. So he was playing music and we were painting along with the music. And, um, and that was good fun. And then at the closing exhibition, like a party, I wasn't in New York at that time. And Jim, who has been playing music for over 20 years, wanted to do a, a musical performance. Because I couldn't be there, I supplied... He encouraged me to he sent me some musical saying he said, why don't you you say something over the top of the music or rec- and we will record it and i'll play it so it can sound as if you're there uh, so we did that, and then uh, I think a little bit he was a little bit annoyed because he said uh, at the end of that performance, people kept coming up to him saying, "Who was that voice? That voice was so nice who was that yeah. and he, he was oh it's John, it's John. so That's- the next time we, we met up.
1: Um, I was there, John. I was there when he performed you there? The Factory refresh yeah. yeah, yeah, it See, was, I, wasn't I it was. not even at that yeah. gig. Yeah, <laughs> no, you weren't even at the gig.
2: Yeah. So I after that, he was like, friends. "Yeah, that's that's so funny." <laughs> um, he he was like, "Maybe we should do more of this." I was a little unsure, but he we started doing this thing via email. So he'd send me a little bit of music, and I'd come up with some funny words and sort of I wouldn't really call it singing, and sort of talk over the top of it. And he's very good at this. He he could, like, take what I'd sent him and, and chop it up and make it fit. And he would add, you know, embellish it a bit with, with more music. And then I would add some more lyrics. And we did this back and forth. And we came up with some stuff that was kind of catchy. And then I thought, all right, I'll, I'll come back to New York. And I came for a whole summer. Um, and that's when the band started. So I guess that was the summer of 2010. I was in L.A. for a little bit for an exhibition. And then I went from L.A. to New York and I stayed in New York for a couple of months and like rented a room somewhere in in Brooklyn. And uh, almost every day I'd go and meet up with Jim and we'd uh, make paintings and paste stuff up on the street and record songs and eat burritos. And it was a really, really fun time. And yeah, by the end of that summer, we'd performed a couple of gigs, which to me was a a big deal because I'd never done anything like that before so it's kind of crazy it was good fun It was really good fun
1: yeah, Sure. you actually uh, you bought you to play together at uh, the the golden pool uh golden Poodle club here in, in, yeah. in hamburg which is a legendary place i mean famous musicians have played there and i remember that was during an exhibition that jim did at the gallery that i once had at the at the train station and i remember that you've been super nervous and i think you fought it with a lot of alcohol that evening <laughs> right. And that was a fantastic show. That <laughs> was a really uh, good
2: show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you um, played the
1: ukulele for the first time, right? Something like that.
2: Maybe. I mean, yeah. So <laughs> with the band I started to learn how to play the ukulele very badly. Yeah. And yeah. uh yeah, we played the golden poodle a couple of times. Gee, I kinda of forgot about all this. Yeah. I mean the the, the good thing with Jim knew all these venues, especially in um Germany. So we played in lots of great places that I feel we would personally i was not qualified to play in and um they were wonderful experiences i was always very nervous before every, every gig but um like a song or two in it would normally it would normally calm down a bit like i, I liken it to going on a, a flight and being nervous as it takes off and it's a bit bumpy but then so so you when you hit cruising altitude you're kind of kind of a bit more chilled out and can relax a little bit more. And that's kind of how I, how I felt with the gigs. If, if the crowd were nice to us and didn't uh, boo us off after a couple of songs, then I knew we'd be okay. Um, but we had some really fun times uh, doing it. I remember once in, in Switzerland, we played a gig, and uh, it was kind of typically kind of half empty by the time we started, and the venue was kind of full by the time we ended, so much so that we played the gig again. Everyone was like, you know, Keep going, we're having a good time now. So we we sort of did the whole set twice in a row, which is kind of bizarre. But uh yeah, there was good energy with those things.
1: You still you're still playing together from time to time or still making Not music? Not really.
2: He moved back to Berlin. So and that was like four or five years ago now. That kind of ended the band sadly, because we'd started off doing it via email and then we lived, we were basically next door neighbours. I mean, I managed to get an apartment two blocks away from him, so it was really convenient. And then sort of going back to doing it by email again and him not being, you know, not being in New York to do gigs and me not being in Europe to easily get to Germany and stuff it was like it was too much. So sadly, the band kind of came to an end. And uh, that's when I started to look for a studio space again and, you know, resume. Doing my drawings and paintings with a little bit more seriousness, I guess.
1: You, but you still, you were starting to do art shows. I mean, you, I think you've gotten in contact with a bunch of uh, New York artists or people from the New York art scene, like uh, Laurie Zimmer and mm-hmm. uh, what's, uh, what's her friend again? Um, Laurie and super famous <laughs> stencil artist. Come on.
2: Oh, uh, Logan.
1: Logan Hicks. Yeah. Logan Hicks. Yeah. yeah
2: yeah i mean um i don't know how quite well i i think i met laurie in one of my first weeks in new york i went to someone's house party and maybe she was the roommate of the person's party or a good friend but i met her quite early on um really really like laurie she's brilliant um yeah i started to i yeah know people in new york and start to do more shows and get involved in events and things i mean it was kind of i mean laurie came to some of the anxiety and gigs i mean she's been a, a really kind supporter of all the goofy things um i've done and this time last year we had a little pop-up show together at scope art um that she created um that i showed showed my work in so yeah we've done lots of stuff together and
1: um, and did you do I mean did, uh, did you do art exhibitions in, in New York again? Because I remember I think I mean the last exhibition that we did together was in two thousand ten here in Hamburg.
2: Right. We yeah.
1: A, yeah, we did the Lossy data lab in New York at Scope yeah, as well, I think in two thousand nine and then two thousand ten, the Lossy Botany lab in Hamburg,
2: right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I was wondering when we last when we last saw each other. Um yeah, I've been doing It's a been a while. while. It has <laughs> been a while. It has been a while. I've been doing stuff, do some stuff here, and I've, I guess my last um, shows of significance or, or of a certain size have been in Asia. So I've uh, done a, a few shows in Korea, and that's where I'm going back in June for an exhibition as well. So it has been sort of what's been keeping me busy art-wise with sort of exhibiting.
1: Yeah, but you've always been uh, I mean your portfolio is always spread out more than just you know doing canvases and shows and exhibitions I think first was your very unique characters uh, as, as an illustrator right in illustrations
2: yeah well, I've been doing I mean I I don't I don't quite know what I am or who I am or where I belong um but this is nothing new this is something that I, I feel I've I've been contended with, contested with for uh, a long time, p- perhaps my whole career, that I create stuff that is, can be used commercially, that can be licensed, can be in a magazine or a newspaper or on a product, but I also paint and draw and it can be in um, galleries and museums, exhibitions. And I also like to perform and do stuff live. And um make video and animation and uh, music and writing and so sometimes i do a lot of different things and it's um i think sometimes it's difficult for people to understand where i belong because i find it difficult to understand where where i belong so so for some people yes i'm an illustrator and for other people i'm an artist and for other people uh, i'm just a deadbeat loser and other people <laughs> but, uh, is it,
1: <laughs> but is it but is it is it important for you that there is some kind of classification because for me i mean you're i mean firstly of course you're a person uh that actually managed to do something with uh, a very unique talent you know and find uh, his own uh, brand is probably wrong uh, but you know so but you know what i'm what i what i mean yeah like, well, that's what people like, say nowadays yeah but i mean if, when i think of, of of john bergerman and even when i thought of it before we worked together mm-hmm. uh and 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 personally met there was the, oh this is john bergerman you will recognize this everywhere you know unless of course it's on a t-shirt in asia and it's not yours it's just <laughs> <laughs> that, that does happen a lot <laughs> that does happen a lot right That's no, happening
2: but... more often than not now it's kind of yeah. A bit
1: weird yeah i mean even i mean i i've i've, I've I'm not half as famous as you in regards to art, but even my stuff you can see in Asia uh, sometimes it's always interesting for me. It's like probably for me, it's like different because I don't I don't sell a lot of uh, in, uh, illustrations uh, uh, actually for money. And I don't produce any t-shirts or products that, you know, sort of people could rip off. So for me, it's uh, sometimes it's kind of weird to see that they're actually doing, um,
2: Using my work mm. for this. Um, yeah, I mean, all over the world, not, not <laughs> yeah. just in Asia, this, yeah, this kind of true. stuff happens. Yeah. And also, what with uh, getting older, that younger people that liked your work now start mm-hmm. to make work in a, in a similar way, which is really interesting to sort of see um, happen. So, um, yeah, I, I don't need the classification. I mean, I don't know. I think these things kind of um, can weigh us down a little bit. know you need a classification if you want to sell yourself for or to something because Mm -hmm. you can't i mean it's if you can't say what the product is then how can you find the the people to buy it in really crude cold horrible terms um so sometimes i get in a little bit you know like i'm a little um muddled or overlooked or people don't quite know what to do with me because because I've not done a great job in explaining like explicitly what it is I do or, or what I am. Because I don't really want to do that. I don't really want to be any one thing. And I don't want to just be stuck doing the thing that I'm known for. And um, like being on a treadmill, I have to keep keep going with one thing. So it's my own fault, but it's my, it's my choice. And that's just how I am as a person. I don't think I, I would be very happy just doing one one thing so, yeah, I so that's, yeah that's what I have to live with because uh, I'm sure I could be a lot more successful uh, and, and richer and everything if I have just stuck to say one aspect of yeah,
1: but you know, you, you you may think that, but I'm uh, I've I've been doing this for a long time now, and and meeting mm-hmm. many many people, and uh, and there are a couple of people who are actually really strongly building their brand and and really defining what they are and what mm-hmm. they what they want to be, and that that also hard. I mean, that also doesn't work most of yeah. the time because. There's, there's still a, ver- a factor that you can't really influence yourself you got to meet the right people to but you sure, know sort yes. of push it and move you to certain levels um, and uh, and then I mean it's it's, it's simply the difference if uh, I've, I've picked you up for the gallery uh, here in, in Hamburg and in Germany we did some really nice shows we had good fun and I think we we were successful um, especially during that time but if uh, if Larry Gagosian would have picked you up um, you'd be on a complete Completely different level within a year in terms of financial status and worldwide recognition stuff mm-hmm. so you could probably live off doing 10 large paintings a year um and yeah, wait,
2: how, yeah that would be good
1: i know i know it would be good but it's, <laughs> yeah that's what i say but this like this this is like it's also about you know connecting to people and finding the right people and 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 uh, and actually doing something out of it and i think if if you're just if you're trying to plan too hard, I mean, you see that a lot now that, that uh, artists, I mean, everybody's trying to curate their own Facebook and Instagram, stream, mm. especially Instagram streams. and. Phew, And then, you know, so I've I've had this discussion a lot recently with artists and how important it is. And it is important to not necessarily share other artists and keep it to yourself and stuff like that. And then there was yesterday with somebody, uh, I I had a meeting with someone who is doing the whole social media for a large museum in Hamburg. Large institution in Hamburg, and he was meeting one of uh, the, the most important uh, uh, social media heads, that brains that run around this country, and mm. uh, and uh, and w- they were talking, and he was just basically saying, yeah, well, forget about curating your Instagram timeline. Nobody's interested anymore, and you know, next thing is everybody's just throwing out stories. You know, it's just, <laughs> and and you know that Maur- Maurizio Catalan, for example, he has um, a beautiful Instagram uh, timeline. He's only always posting one picture after you took the other one that was on there off, you know, there's always just <laughs> one, and it's also pretty smart, you know I mean, the people are just totally overloaded, and, uh, and so I think it's very difficult to plan, especially these years I mean, the good thing about you is you've uh, you've already established uh, yourself um, as John Bergerman, you know uh, uh, something, that somebody, am. yeah, exactly that's who you are, and I think people can appreciate that um, it's, I'm it's,
2: def- definitely glad to have had my formative years in a, a world without social media for sure um, and sort of <clears throat> have a slower steadier organic um, growth in my like practice and personality rather than um, try and have a quick fix immediately um, which is uh, what I think a lot of the social media stuff kind of encourages or responds well to um but yeah it's very um It's very overwhelming in that digital space. How does anyone see anything? uh, Luck plays a big role, I think. There is so much talent out there. Um, It's whether whether anyone can find you on it. It's uh, it's a big, big uh, crapshoot, as they say.
0: Yeah,
1: it's difficult, Um, but I mean, nonetheless, everybody's kind of trying and you know trying to get get attention somewhere. Um, Mm. I'm. I'm personally, same with the gallery. I'm always, well, The I think the professional term would be rethinking. I'll also mm-hmm. write that, rethinking gallery, um, and, and, and the ideas and concepts behind it. Because I personally don't think that there is um, anything stable in this business and in this art world for for a long time uh, when you look at it, especially at the younger market um, because it's all developing new and uh, and uh, constantly changing anyway and I think the galleries that can afford to remain like brick and mortar business in a way are the big ones are the upper one to uh, two mm. percent because you know so sort of they just They just um, have the money to do that and uh, people with money supporting that, um, buying from them the auction houses. This is, uh, but this is a different league. This has got nothing to do with what we're basically doing. Um, So, but is, um, is your, um, I mean, you're also doing a lot of, Projects where you actually, you know, create walls and environments mm-hmm. and you know stuff like that is, is, uh, is that something that you're in, invited to often, or is that you know? I mean, now that there's like, I think when you did the first wall, there were probably 500 uh, people who could do that or who would do that, and now there's like five million <laughs> <laughs> who are actually doing that, and maybe they're doing it cheaper than you. Is that is, that, no, is there yeah, a lot of definitely. you feel the competition out there?
2: Uh,
0: uh yeah
2: i mean i see a lot more and it's funny i think um we see the rise of the installation or the mural or the experience very much because of instagram and social media um because uh it's not enough to go and look at nice art you have to be able to be inside it and photograph yourself and you you have to be the focal point and you can do that if the room is a, you know, a, a space in which uh, the whole work encompasses. um Yeah, I mean, I, I did a lot. In fact, when I moved to New York, I was a bit burnt out doing walls. I mean, I'd been flown all over the world doing murals and things, which was brilliant. But I find it really exhausting. Like, I can paint very quickly, but it doesn't mean I can um paint a wall in a, um you know, do a wall a day for a month or something. Um, yes. And then. I think it's, I mean, I think yeah, you're right. There's a lot more people doing it. Uh, There's a lot more demand for it. And um, maybe, like, the trick has been uncovered as well, that you don't have to be particularly good at it. If you just do enough of it, it looks impressive. So the barrier to entry, like, things don't have to look particularly great. And then it allows just more people to do it. And, yeah, maybe they do it cheaper. Maybe they I don't know, I don't know. But yeah, I've definitely done a lot less, I would say in the last 10 years than I did in the 10 years before. Um, but maybe also it's because people got tired of, of me or maybe I just got too old or I don't know, but I definitely wasn't, <laughs> um, I wasn't pushing for it. You know, I don't email people saying, can I paint on your wall? I don't think I've ever done that. Um, so I don't think I ever really ask anyone for to do anything. Like all these, all these things, kind of, I'm being very lucky. They come to me, but it also means Mm. I can't complain when they don't come to me. I don't really go out of my way to make them make them happen. I'm very, I feel very awkward asking for stuff, and maybe that's my Britishness. So, I I find it very difficult. Oh, can I can I paint on your wall, or can I do the back of your house, or I don't know. So, I'm not very good at all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, people want me to do, and people do still hit me up to do things. Um, but yeah, my uh, requirements for doing it are probably a little bit higher now. Like, you've got to pay me well. You can't expect me to do it in one afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. If I have to travel far, you've got to pay for all that. You know, I don't know, normal sure. stuff. Because yeah. I don't need to do it. I don't necessarily really need to do it. But even yeah. more so because of... A bazillion other people drawing wonky drawings on the wall. So that that box is being ticked and fulfilled and the world has plenty of of people able to do that. So maybe I'll turn my attentions to other things, other challenges.
1: Yeah. You're still doing sculptures? We, we did yeah. Uh
2: a little bit. I bought myself one of these like hot wire cutter things. you seen mm-hmm. this? You can kind of cut yeah. through foam and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've been like tooling around with that but it's too slow for me. Like maybe I need to buy a more industrial thing. But I need to I need to slice through foam as if I'm drawing a line on a piece of paper. It needs to mm-hmm. be fluid and quick. So I need to um I need to find something a little bit yeah, a little stronger. But I've been playing around. Um I was making a lot of stuff out of play-doh a few years okay. ago, tiny little sculptures that I photographed. Um so they can be blown up super big, as if they were giant sculptures. So, yeah, yeah, playing around, and I still work with uh, Louise, aka the felt mistress. Who, oh yeah, um, oh yeah, who makes yeah. really beautiful stuff. So we we still make stuff together. That I, she's amazing. I mean, uh, I just send her some horrible little two D drawings, and she kind of can totally work out how to render them in in felt and plush and. Yeah sew them absolutely beautifully. So, um, still do stuff with her. Yeah.
1: Well, it's yeah. great you're still working with her because I mean her work was in uh, in the in the uh, lossy botany lab here. The, mm-hmm. the, the the flowers and stuff they were beautiful. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. The vegetables and things. Yeah. yeah She's yeah. amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, still do do sculptural stuff now and again. And like with some of these like um, like Asian ex- exhibitions. I had one in Hong Kong last year. Yeah. They're very keen to have like sculptural forms and uh it's a bit of a dream because yeah, you know, i can draw it out and they'll have proper teams make it so mm-hmm. um i made these giant sort of uh cracked eggs last year <laughs> which which were fun um and and yeah a lot of i don't know if you i mean the three dimension but like, a lot of sort of 2d like cut out stuff like sort of uh, what you'd imagine old movie sets would be like. So the front of something, but there's actually nothing behind it. So I, I like that kind of stuff as well. Um, do you know the kind of thing I mean? Like a, yeah. just like a flat cut out. As soon as you like take something off the page, off the wall or off the canvas, and it, it has a physical form, even if it's very shallow, it, it changes it completely. So uh, I love that. I love taking my work into the, into the real world and um putting it in spaces um outside of a, a white cube so yeah i've been doing a bunch of bunch of stuff like that. when i do it for myself it's out of cardboard obviously
1: yeah i'm just I, I, i've been preparing for for this conversation i've been looking on your website and, and your projects and stuff and it's uh it's still and it, it's still really insane for me to see how much you actually draw i mean, how much space you cover and even it's a small space it's like the, all the, the details and all the tiny bits that are in there um and i think that is um that is still pretty pretty unique um to me and you're mostly still working with markers the same markers that you've been working with i don't know 20 years ago
2: yeah i po- still use the posca pens Pro- and, and I still yeah. use the posca i use yeah. crank i use acrylic i use uh, I use whatever I've got I can get my hands on. I've been using more spray paint recently. I've got a bit All more right. space now. So I like to use, the, I, you know, I love the posca pens and stuff. But the um, thing is, I'm too familiar with it. I'm too. It's too easy. Um, mm. I like. To, I've been trying to use different materials, so I'm not very good at using them. And so I will make mistakes. And so those little accidents and hiccups and things will make the work seem interesting and new to me, and therefore it might be new and interesting to others. But I, it's like, um, it's, yeah, like the murals or anything. If I could rock up with some Posca pens and fill a space, and whilst that's enjoyable, it's, it's kind of predictable to me. And uh, that's something I really don't think is healthy as a sort of artist or just as a human being that i kind of know exactly what i'm going to make uh, i close my eyes and can see it all perfectly so i try trying to disrupt that so i've been trying to make works in different ways working d- different materials and different surfaces and like changing it up like not not drawing with outline and filling it in and and stuff like that and and in my own way sort of uh, sort of breaking out of a, a formula that one gets it's something that I think we're engineered to do. We try, we have a task. If you do it a lot, the brain wants to find the shortcuts. What's the easiest way of doing this? What's how can I be more efficient? Um, which is great if you're filling in your tax returns or tied, you know, vacuuming your house or something. But I think for making of art, making interesting things, it's, um, it's it becomes problematic because. Uh, predictability is, is boring
1: yeah yeah but you also you you always take it i mean you you take a pretty uh um you take a, i don't know how to explain it in, in english but a, a social approach to many things like when you when you started with your instagram stories that you've that you've done where you basically maybe you can explain that better than you know if i'm trying to do it now Just, what was that all about and it was also exhibited at tate modern i think or parts of it yeah that, right?
2: Yes. Oh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I have them I have some, some of them are also in the headquarters of Instagram in their on their big I've not been there in person but on their giant screens in their reception area some of my stories. Well they were, I don't know if they're still there, but um they commissioned me to make some which was pretty funny to have the um have the the company like hit me up for for some content for their for their offices. Um yeah i don't know i tried to treat it as just another tool as a sketchbook or a a little yeah a little digital sketchbook in my pocket that's what instagram is and that's what the stories is or was for me as uh, when i discovered you could draw on images then it became really fascinating to take video and photograph and draw on top of them particularly video and also as you're well aware uh, you do all this stuff people can see it and they can respond to it and there are the tools on there for people to send you back video uh in response to what you're doing or messages so this also became a material to play with um whether it became artwork or part of my practice i'm not i'm not quite sure i, I think so because i made so much of it um but it didn't start off like that. In the same way I'm talking about using different like um, physical materials to make stuff. Why not treat digital tools in the same way? Um, so yeah, I put stuff out there and encourage people to, to respond to make stuff in response to, even here is something that is unfinished or here is an object or an image. I'm not even gonna touch it. What can What can you see? In this image what can you draw on top to to turn it into something and then sharing that those responses back on my feed um, and on, on the stories it's been really fun it's been really fun i've done a lot of it i've kind of eased off in the last this year just because again it kind of felt like i was repeating myself a little bit like i know the kind of tricks and and things that that brought me enjoyment make you know making that stuff on there but I don't know if I could like unless it's I feel like it's kind of covering new ground I don't know why I would keep keep doing it. That's a problem I have. I'm sure if I kept doing it cuz it got kind of, some of it, you know, got popular, if I kept doing it, I'm sure it would have increased in popularity and I would have got those all important likes and all important followers um but it, I don't know. It just got a little bit boring to just keep putting eyeballs on stuff. As much as I really love putting eyeballs and stuff, and I'm not saying I won't do that in the future, it's just it's just other stuff, other stuff sort of took over, and I got interested in in making different things. Um, but it was a cool ride. I mean, I I kept pretty much all the stuff I made, so I have a huge archive of stuff from 2017 to present day. All the little videos, all the goofy little songs, all the little funny animations and stuff. So. And I will show them, I will like have them in exhibitions, or will do something with them. But yeah, I don't know. It, uh, it Just, yeah, it maybe it's yeah, a little bit of an impasse.
1: But I think, it, I mean, you all also, I think one very big aspect of your work is that you're always always communicating with your audience, um, you do this through performances or through slipping into a character or Mm -hmm. by, you know, these Instagram stories, uh, yeah, these stories, Instagram stories that you, you can, where you get something in return. And maybe there's a point when, when the discussion comes to a point where where you say, okay, now almost everything's being set, you know, and it starts to repeat itself. And I think that's the mm. point where you get when you start getting the most traction for a project like this, but then you have to continue. You have to go down that path hardcore. And even though you've heard all the answers and all the questions, mm. you still have to do it. And I mean, that's that's the beautiful thing about being an artist that you basically have the right to decide when it you know, sort of when it's not helping you anymore and and bringing you any further i understand. I think what you're describing is generally just the curiosity that that drives a lot of good artists
2: mm. yeah yeah I think you know no one i mean I have lots of side projects, everything is a side project, and I don't want anything to sort of take over too much so um yeah, with the social media stuff it's It's good, but I don't don't cover being super famous on social media. And to do that, you have to put a lot of time and effort into it, um, and uh, have that be your focus. I think. Um, But yeah, I love I love interacting with people. Like people are crazy, and people are unpredictable, and unusual, and weird. And every single person has got something interesting to say or to share with you and it's about how you can get that out of them. Sometimes it comes out very easily and sometimes less so and whether it's performing, doing music or do, giving a lecture or um, some something where there are people and you can engage with them, um, it's always fascinating. I, ne- I never regret um, doing doing those things even if they don't work out so well because they're always interesting because otherwise you're just uh talking to yourself you know you're making work in a vacuum uh, and a lot of time being an artist is spent like that that you're alone in a studio making stuff um and whilst that's good for a lot of sort of introverts uh like myself once in a while you have to push yourself out out the door and um i find it really invigorating and inspiring um so it's yeah that's a really important part of my practice i was having that conversation with someone last uh, a few weeks ago when i was uh, before I was giving a talk in uh, Pasadena in California, and we were I was saying i don 't know what I am what would you you know how would I describe myself and stuff and they were like you 're a performer, and maybe that 's the through line in all these things whether it 's painting on a wall that 's still a that's still a performance, mm-hmm. and then the the wall is the kind of documentation of that that strange little dance that you did close you know, cheek to cheek against a wall, but with a pen in your hand, you know, that's still some sort of performance all all the way through, you know, all the other stuff. So, and definitely on, on social media, you're talking to camera or you're, you're sharing your thoughts. That that is a performance as well. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah, but yeah, I love, I love the interaction. I think that's the, one of the great things that social media has brought us that I can put my face on someone else's face in a subway in New York. And then someone sees that in Tehran and and does something similar and sends it back to me, and then we have this connection. That's in a, in the same day, in the same hour. That's crazy. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just how you use it. I mean, it's. I think yeah. it fits. It fits well to what you're doing, and I think the performer is a is a good description. Uh, talking about descriptions, I had. Um, I've been talking to a, a friend of, of the gallery for many years. Um, And uh, and he's he's also I mean if I send you a photo maybe you recognize him but uh, he uh, he also bought you know drawings of yours um, a couple of years ago and I I told him that I'm you know know, that we do had difficulties finding the perfect meeting time for this podcast (laughs) Um, (laughs) and uh, and then he said oh you're doing a podcast John Um, can you maybe ask him a question that I've never dared to ask him when I was at the exhibitions and and, uh, well it's not that complicated. (laughs) But I think it's, it was nice, you know, because I would never phrase a question like this. But he said, you know, what, you know, with all your characters, with all the things that you do, um, but especially, you know, uh, targeting your, your, uh, talking about your characters is, what is the world of John Bergman? I mean, there is a world definitely, and when he mentioned it, when he said it like this, and I said, yeah, definitely, there is, there is a world, but I've never seen it that way. But, but what is
2: your world? Mm, that is a good question. What is my world? Well, <clears throat> do you mean just for the characters, or you mean me as? as yeah, no, the
1: characters. No, no, not you as a character, but the characters that you draw. I mean, that what you when you when you draw like a wall with with all of these characters, when you mm. everything you basically draw, you kind of immerse yourself into 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 a world. And is it is it our world? Is it a different world? And so that was just like I think it was like you know sort of everybody relates different to characters. Mm. And what what do you where, where does it come from in the words well, of the original yeah, nature?
2: Yeah, I, I it's definitely a ref, it's a reflection, a refraction of of our world, of my life and the people and the things that I get up to and and things that I see. Um people I see and stuff. But uh it's yeah, it's a weird fantasy realm where um I don't think there's any humans or anything in there. That's why it's a fantasy, a happy fantasy. But um, it, yeah, it's a spongy, sludgy, wobbly, malleable, fun, crazy, hyper emotional space. And all these characters are, are clambering for attention and love and affection and to be heard because that's why they're all on the wall and they're all muddled on top of each other and they're all sort of screaming and waving and and trying to trying to um, catch your eye so <clears throat> i think it's a reflection of of me and how i exist and how i how i see things around me and how i how i feel the world is or my world at least um you know, the spaces i exist within um and that's where they live and they they're all jumbled in there, all crammed in like a a suitcase that's got too much stuff in there, and it kind of pops open, and all this crap comes flying out. Um, that's that's the world they live in.
1: Yeah, that's a yeah. That's a good explanation, I think. So, yeah. You know. Um one one question that I personally have now, living in New York in a different time and how do you do that with following your football team?
2: Mm-hmm. Lunch. Yeah, that-
1: it's a lunchtime, it's, right?
2: It, well, it can be. It can be like first thing in the morning. So yeah. I'm a Tot- Tottenham Hotspur fan. I know, and yeah. uh, they're doing quite we, well. Yeah, they've yeah. over the years they've been getting mm-hmm. better and better. You know, we were yeah. we were happy just in the Gareth Bale days and the, yeah. you know Harry Redknapp and everything, but uh, maybe even Martin Jol. But now uh, po- Pochettino has done a great job. Um, when I first moved here, I would get up very early in the morning and watch watch the games. Like it's some sort of idiot, like going to a bar for a nine am kickoff or even seven thirty kickoff, I think. And uh, it makes makes you uh, take a, a sort of stock of your life when you it's seven thirty and your people are drinking beer and you're watching your team lose and you think what why am i doing this shouldn't be i should be asleep or, or this isn't good so i've kind of eased off a little bit on 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 that i mean i will i watch a lot of games but if if they're really early it's actually quite a pleasure to wake mm-hmm. up and find out the result rather than live through the stress um um you know of a of a game but um it's yeah, It puts a different spin on it. I, th- I think it's good actually. Uh, win or lose, you get over it a lot quicker if it's mm. in the morning. So in the UK, you, uh, play uh, Saturday afternoon or, or in the evening, it kind of, yeah, it would kind of ruin your, your night. But if, if Spurs lose or it's disappointing, you kind of forget about it by the afternoon. It's quite good. You get on with your day. Um, so that's, that's what's been going on. A year or two ago when Spurs were, uh, neck and neck with Leicester, I got very worried we might actually win the league. And I thought, <laughs> shit, I'm going to have, I'm going to have to fly home and celebrate with my, my, Father and brothers, if we win the, this is so ridiculous. But I was. That would have been it. too bad, you know. <laughs> oh no, it would have been amazing. But I'm like, am I really going to do this? Like it is a once in a lifetime thing. it didn't quite happen. I'm not sure it will ever happen. But um, Spurs have done really, really well. It's, you can um, still win
1: the Champions League.
2: That is true. That is a possibility. It's very, very unlikely, but it is. It is a stranger things have happened. I've we We have this hope, but with so many uh, good players injured, i just I just can't see it yeah. happening and you know uh football fans will roll their eyes when I say and we haven't signed anyone for a year. We have had no new players come in we've uh, spent very little money, so it's it's been very tough um that's good in a way, I think all football teams should they should all have one year where they say no one can buy any new yeah. players. that would be interesting. Fo- uh, I mean, I love football, the game, but I hate football, the business. Um, yeah, no. It's uh, and I have friends here that I used to watch football with, and they said, "No, that's enough. Done now. It's ridiculous. You know, hundred million yeah. uh, pound players and and the, and all the corruption. You look at the World Cup and and where it's going to be in a, in a couple of years' time. Yeah, no. It's hard to as a as a. Someone trying to live ethically and soundly to support these organisations. So, um, yeah, there's, but the there. game itself is is great, and you know that's what it, the drama. I mean, if you the drama it can produce is mm-hmm. mind blowing. When it's, I mean, look at Tottenham Man City this time last week. Yeah, yeah insane. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: But that's, that's not just football. That's sport in general. And if we yeah. want to look at it in a broader thing and that's Mm -hmm. just human it's just humans isn't it again it comes it comes down to performance and self-expression in a way you know whether Mm -hmm. it's in the framed by it being a game or or something it can be amazing right whether it's sport or music or art or dance or anything Uh, sometimes yeah again i'm waffling
1: no, that's not, no, 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 no. I don't want to dis- uh, uh, interrupt you. But, um, but did you already? I mean, now that you're in America, so for such a long time, did you already pick up an American sports or American team that you like? I mean, as <laughs> anything that could tempt you, like your basketball or baseball or football? Or, uh, have you uh, been to a baseball hockey? game?
2: Have you watched baseball? No, <laughs> boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> Every year, uh, it's uh, it's become a kind of quasi quasi religious activity. I will, and my friends find this hilarious. I host a Super Bowl pie, the most un <laughs> like un John type thing to do. Yeah. Um, I have people. I love I love watching the Super Bowl. I watch yeah. the Super Bowl, and some some of it not like, this year was terrible, but a few years ago they've they've been really exciting. Um, I don't have time. I always say, like, I'll get more into American football. And say, again, the NFL is a is a real heinous kind of organization full of mm-hmm. terrible people and terrible things. So uh, it's kind of tough. But, um, yeah, I watched the Super Bowl once a year, and it's generally an excuse to abuse your body through processed foods um, and alcohol. <laughs> uh, and that's a sporting thing, you know, in the background. Um, So I do that. It's fun. Invite a lot of people over. Uh, Everyone gets excited for the halftime show. A halftime show and the adverts. This Mm -hmm. is a sport. This is an occasion where people are most excited about advertisements and Mm -hmm. which celebrities are going to be in the advertisements. So I think that's that tells you all you really need to know about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I understand. I mean, you know, Mevin and I were big uh, basketball fans.
2: Basketball, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I do you have an
2: American team you you follow?
1: Well, I'm I'm a little bit split up and just see what kind of I mean, there there's being a sports fan in Europe mean something completely different to being a sports fan in in america i think americans are mm. often fans of uh, personalities and um and uh, and then uh look at i mean i i'm, I'm i really love steph curry and i like what the warriors these past years but they just lost against the clippers and i loved it that they've lost you know because it mm. just makes it more exciting and and uh, and there's like you know like there was the underdog you know and and i think so i'm not necessarily a fan of any team i mean of course i as as a german um, being uh, uh, not brought up with uh, with uh, with Detlef Schrempf uh, and then Dirk Nowitzki it's always the teams where these germans played like the Seattle SuperSonics mm. when i was young they were really important to me even though i could never actually see a game and now it has completely changed of course but just watching Dick Nowitzki play was just uh, a pleasure for all these years you know and so of course the Dallas Mavericks will be a team that will you know sort of I would still continue to follow even though he's you know probably just in the administration there at some point. And um, yeah, but but it's also I mean it's a it's a it's a it's a very weird concept because throughout the year throughout the season it's not necessarily that exciting. The playoffs like it's when it's getting really really exciting. Right, yeah. And and in football you know when when the new season starts you're excited from day one. You know you you're checking the, the 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 standings from day one because that mm-hmm. might actually be a chance that your team is up there. And then you sort of kind of you start <coughs> dreaming and hoping and 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 uh, and and a team means something different. It's not. You know, you can't just trade off players no, just in the yeah. middle of the season and just say, Okay, these five go there, these go there, and then we'd get these guys and then they're in the middle of the season is a completely different team. Stuff like that. I find that I find that difficult. But I like well, the sports.
2: Yeah. That, I mean that happens a bit in football when some some shake comes and buys your team and Yeah, but that's you know, not the team that I follow. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah, I know. <laughs> Know, that's that's
1: a anything. that's an aspect of football that's not really interesting I know. to I, mean, I, not, can,
2: I, I agree it's like it's yeah. hard to keep up it's hard yeah. to keep up with all these um players mm-hmm. coming and going of yeah, all the major sad. teams but um yeah it's just in my blood I, I was brought up with football from day one so it's hard but was it it's was it always the shit.
1: spurs you know, yeah. yeah
2: yeah yeah my my family on my dad's side are all spurs fans so um yeah he was he was born and raised in london so that's where that comes from um and i you can't help it can't help it i can't help but want to check the the score but i'm I'm very don't want to get emotionally distraught with it it's so pointless to be upset oh you lost or you didn't win and and you're right you check the standings but when does it really matter it matters at the end of the season where you end up is the most important like we finished top or we avoided relegation or in the middle, but you're in that spot for the summer and then it, it resets. So when did it really, nothing ever stops. Right. And it's, you can never, so you can, you have to enjoy the, the moments of victory, I guess that's yeah. what it is. It's like a, a metaphor for life. It, you never really can cash out and say, I'm done. Cause that's you true. can only do that when you're dead. Right. So mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. these moments. And I think that's the thing about sports or following a football team—not to get too upset. That's, it will reset. It resets every year, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll be in a different division or something. But really, what, what does it? What does yep. it really matter? You
1: uh, know, so. The cities and you know, cities become villages that you go to to see a game, or <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs>
1: they only have one camera on the pitch, and then at some point, none. <laughs> you know, I mean, how, a, how deep you're rele- relegated. You know.
2: Yeah, I mean they're important for communities, and and that's yeah. where where the love comes from, and that's uh-huh. what it's moving away from. When it, when it's like um, when the local communities can't afford to go to the stadiums, mm-hmm. you know, then then something is, is is being lost. But like you know, St. Pauli, and you know, so it's, so it's you know teams like that that bring people together and and still yeah. of the people is is a really wonderful thing. There's a great documentary on on Netflix. Called Losers. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen it. There's I haven't a, seen
1: it, but Melvin told me about it. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's a really great episode. Um, I've forgotten the football team uh on the on the coast of uh, the UK, and you know, it's will they get relegated? Will they not? And what it means for that whole town. Yeah, you know, it's, the football is all they have to look forward to. Mm-hmm. All, all that brings them together. And if this team gets relegated, then they go into administration and there's no more football team and it leaves a massive black hole. So it's, you know, it's really, it's meaningful beyond just a paycheck or sponsorship Mm -hmm. deals or something. And yeah, it's really great. uh, If you've not seen it, you should certainly check, Mm -hmm. check it out.
1: Oh yeah. Here we have a weird season this year. We're just actually, there's we've, we had really good standings until now the last games we all more or less lost or had draws and stuff like that. <laughs> but everybody's very, very disappointed with the team, even though we don't, we're not fearing relegation or anything mm. um, this year. But it's just like, something's off about this season and uh, we kind of have to, you know, get that changed next season again. Something, Something's off about this team. Something's off about the fans. And so I think it's a, it's, you know, it's like a little bit, you know, coming of age in certain terms, young fans are getting older uh, oh. uh, uh, and taking more space in the stadium. Older fans are getting older, and maybe at some points, you know. So there's uh, there's discussions amongst fans that I've never experienced before. And there's a team that pff, doesn't really doesn't really want to win. You know, they're supposed to win. And I think there's a big difference if everybody says, "Oh no, gotta win this game," or if you say, "I'm gonna win this game." You know. So I mean, mm. and that's currently like it's. So we have two more games at home. Uh, every On Saturday, there's one. Uh, all my friends that I know, we're all going there to have, um, to have a nice, you know, sort of sunny day in the stadium, but nobody's actually expecting anything of this team anymore, and they have to do a lot of changes next year or just mental changes. I don't know, but it's, mm. you know, I mean, I've seen seasons where they played terrible and everybody loved them, and I've seen seasons where they actually played you know, sort of the standing is pretty good, and it's just like yeah. it's off, like this one. And and you never know. As you know, as you said, it's it's uh, it's different. But then you still you still kind of you're 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 super frustrated. You're 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 starting to hate things about the whole thing. And you say, why am I going in freezing cold, standing there for you know uh, over uh, uh, two hours in the stadium, two and a half hours sometimes in the stadium? The beer is freezing in your cup at one o'clock. Uh, and in the afternoon, <laughs> but you're still drinking and you're still singing and you're still celebrating. And next week, it might be even colder, yeah. and they might not even have beer. You're still going, <laughs> you know?
2: so,
1: yeah. It's 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 hard to explain,
2: yeah. Or, I don't know. Yeah. It's this, uh, it's, it's yeah. It's, yeah. it's the church, you know, that's yeah. where you yeah. go to no be way. with your people through uh, through thick and thin,
1: yeah. So, it's interesting, John. We started, uh talking about art and stuff like that. And now we ended up on football, but I like that. I like the uh, course this conversation took.
2: <laughs> it's all part of the same mix. It's all, I think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know. So any, any, any chance that we, uh, well, I think we have to get you back to Germany again at some point. You haven't shown in in, in Germany in, in many
2: years, right? I mean, no, that's true. You that have been exiled over here. Um, no, I, that's the one thing I, I mean, I l- love living here and uh it's been really great but i do miss um you know europe on my doorstep i do miss being part of europe or i'm gonna miss that and but it's very difficult i get invited to do stuff in uh in different european uh cities and it's a lot harder to commit to going to do them because it's not one or two hours away and Um, i really hate flying and i try not to you know do it uh, all the time so um so yeah it would be nice to to come back and um i and i, I like i like hamburg a lot i like mm. uh, germany dare i say even like the german people <laughs> which um which might be unusual for a british person to, to say but no i like it a lot so yeah I, I miss it it would be nice to come back definitely maybe not in the winter but yeah. no i mean
1: there's i mean there's no use coming here in the winter. We don't need to have snow anymore. It's just it's just cold and rainy. Oh, uh,
2: well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, John. But, yeah.
1: yeah. It's um anyth- Yeah, it's a it's a pleasure talking. It was a pleasure talking to you. Um I uh, really enjoyed this um this uh, podcast with you, even though it took a while until we found, you know, sort of time and date and everything. And it's your morning still and my afternoon, and uh I'm going to go off to um to the opening of a brew pub now. Very nice. Hmm. And, uh, what are you doing now? You're just starting to work, right?
2: Yeah, I'm starting to work. Um, this afternoon, I'm, there's a Basquiat exhibition in cool. the city that, um, very difficult to get a ticket for. It's free to go to, but to keep the numbers reasonable, you have to get tickets. So I've got a ticket for that. And, uh, so I'll be going there this afternoon. It's a beautiful, warm, breezy, sunny day. Um, here in new york so it's it's one of those days where you're you just feel everyone is smiling and huh. uh, it feels great to be alive and all that kind of stuff. There's only like four or five days like this in New York in the whole year, and I think everyone knows that, so we try and um make the most of it but yeah that's what i'm going to be doing I'll be going to that and then later tonight I'll be going to um some friends do like a live comedy. Thing, which is um, I'm not sure what to expect, but I'll be going to that. So it's a busy day of fun stuff and work yeah. stuff. Sounds so,
1: good. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good. And, and start off with this podcast. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's yeah. been a good start. So yeah, really nice to catch up with you. Very nice to talk to you. And uh, yeah, thanks very much for having me on.
1: Yeah, it's uh, great having you.
2: All right, I'll speak to you another time soon.
0: I think I miss you. Where have the mails gone? Perhaps you're stuck in a lift or wading through a pond. Back trees all dried out, drives driven to despair. Perhaps you dropped your laptop and are waiting for the repair. I think I miss you. Ooh. status updates, entries are far gone, no new pictures have been uploaded, it's weeks since you logged on, constant clicking to collect, to retrieve some communique, the button, a sorry nub, reload, refresh, replay, I think I miss you,